Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The feast never ends. Death has an appetite that is insatiable. It's like a teenager after a 10-mile run gobbling up everything in its path. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Death has this insatiable appetite. And all joking aside, we see it all too often all over the news these days, in our own community. Two men from our community lost this week. Death just keeps on devouring. And the scriptures often speak in these terms. To give you just a few verses, in Proverbs 1.12, it says, Sheol, or the grave, swallows its victims alive and whole, those who go down to the pit. Isaiah 5.14 says, Therefore Sheol has enlarged its appetite and opened its mouth beyond measure. And again, Habakkuk 2 verse 5 says, Death never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. And it's interesting, that last verse from Habakkuk, it kind of personifies death. He gathers for himself. And this was common in the ancient world to have a personification of death. Among the ancient Canaanites, they personified death as what they called moat. And who was moat? Moat was this awful blob of a monster who looks a little bit like Jabba the Hutt. If you're wondering why on the front of your worship folder, there is Jabba the Hutt. It's because that's the best picture, modern picture we can think of to think of what moat looks like. It's not Becky's fault. She made me want to make that clear to all of you. She did not pick that picture. I picked that picture. <laughs> moat, this personification of death. He's like Jabba the Hutt who pops people into his mouth like popcorn and never has enough, has this insatiable appetite that always wants more. All peoples across the world 100% of all humans, well, with one notable exception. More about him in a minute. But death just keeps devouring. There was one do ancient document that put it this way. It said, do not approach divine moat, lest he put you into his mouth like a lamb. Problem is, how do we avoid approaching divine moat. Every single one of us, it's like we're on this conveyor belt of time and you can't hop off. You're all moving forward and its mouth is wide open, ready to swallow up each and every one of us. That's what death is. Death is the great swallower, more fearsome even than Jabba the Hutt and that fearful foe awaits for each and every one of us and that feast never ends. If that were bad enough, you know, it'd be one thing if we all knew that it was there at the, at the end of our lives and we had a rough idea of when the end of our lives is going to be. But until then, until then, we could just block it out. We could keep it out of our minds. It would be like we could just live our lives full until the hilt until one day finally we just, we're, we're done. 
Uh, kind of like my kids, they have an RC car. And the RC car, it goes full power, full power until the battery dies and then just all of a sudden, boop. But up until then, you're having the time of your life. Everything is great. It's wonderful. If only life could be like that. But as it is, death, the great swallower, not only threatens to swallow us up at the end, but then it double backs over the rest of our life and casts this awful shadow, creates this sense of, of fearful uncertainty. In my own small way, I felt like I got a taste of this a few weeks ago when we had our opening kickoff. We had the dunk tank. You all remember this, right? And Pastor T sitting up on the dunk tank, up above that 40-degree water or whatever it was. I'll tell you what, guys. The worst part was not the freezing cold water. The worst part was sitting on that ledge and not knowing when I was going to fall, but that I would fall. Thank you, Johnny Sink. He was the agent of moat in that moment. (laughs) That's what it's like for any of us to live in that place of fearful uncertainty. The great swallower not only takes its victims at the end, but in many respects, the whole life long. As it says in Hebrews 2, through fear of death, people become subject to lifelong slavery. Or, as my favorite band, the Ava Brothers, puts it in one of their songs. They say, if you're wild, you're bound to die young, friend. But if you live in fear, you're already dead. If you live in fear, you're already dead. See, Moat, the great swallower, death, it has its mouth wide open. And not only do we fear that end, but then it holds our whole life in its clutches. Not for nothing is it called a veil because it casts a pall over all of our lives and we live our lives through that long shadow that the grim reaper, that the great swallower casts. We live in that long shadow and in that valley our whole lives long, fearing that feast that never ends. That is if it were not for another feast. And that other feast is what the prophet Isaiah talked about in our Old Testament reading. He says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast. On this mountain, which mountain is Isaiah talking about? If you know your Bible, there's lots of different candidates. You could go back to the beginning. You could talk about Mount Sinai, where there was the giving of the Ten Commandments. You might think of Mount Zion, the way that Jerusalem is often metaphorically described. But, but there's another mount that is most pertinent in this case, this feast that is being prepared. See, at this feast, Moat, the great swallower, death itself, thought that it had its greatest victim yet. The great swallower had one more lamb on its rack and it was licking its fingers ready to swallow up this victim but little did it know little did death know that while it had this lamb on the rack that lamb was licking his chops Mm. 
that the Lamb of God is the one who was on that mountain of Mount Calvary, and that the Lord of hosts was preparing a feast at that very moment when it looked like death was getting the one final victim that would be the victim to end all feasts. Indeed it was, but not in the way that death thought. Because Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, who goes to that rack for you and me, in and through him, the Lord God Almighty was preparing a true feast. A feast to benefit all peoples, all nations. A feast for you and me because, as the prophet goes on, on that mountain, in that feast, the covering that is covered over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, in that feast, God will swallow up death forever. See, in that feast, on the Mount of Calvary, Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, he became the great swallower. And the one who pretended to be the great swallower, well, he got swallowed. Amen? The great swallower got swallowed up once and for all because of the victory that Christ Jesus has by his death and through his emerging out of death, by his resurrection. Now, as St. Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? It's nowhere. St. Paul, it's like he's doing a touchdown dance on death. He's taunting it. Death, where is your victory? Oh, great swallower who looked so fearful. Oh, Jabba the Hutt, you have been exploded once and for all because you tried to devour Christ Jesus and he broke out from the inside. Because now the great swallower has been swallowed by the greater swallower, Christ Jesus. And because of that, because of that, friends, our lives are transformed now. Death might cast that pall over all of life, but it doesn't have to be that way for you who trust in Christ. Because now we have a new perspective on it. Think about this. Isaiah says, goes on to say, the Lord God himself will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. Now that the Lord has flip the light on through our Lord Jesus, we can see that that fearsome monster is just a little pussycat, see? One that we need not fear. And while we lament those whom we have lost, our mourning ultimately gets turned to joy. Maybe some of you have heard that Hebrew folk song, Hava Nagila. Anybody know that song, Hava Nagila? Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila. We can all get up in a circle and start running around. Okay, you say, anybody know what those words mean? In fact, they're taken from this text. What it means is, let us rejoice and be glad. Let us rejoice and be glad. On that day it shall be said, which day? The day of resurrection. That's the day that the Lord has made and remade all things in Christ. On that day, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And until that day when Christ Jesus comes again, let us rejoice and be glad each and every day. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because the Lord is at hand. And each and every day that we still continue to shuffle our feet through this valley of the shadow 
we sing our Hava Nagilas. Because listen, we might go through that valley of the shadow of death, but it's just that. It's the shadow of death. How we sometimes say, oh, he's just a, a shadow of his former self. Death. Is just a shadow of his former self, the great swallower, Mode. He's just a, a shadow of the fearful foe that he used to be because Jesus has defanged him and taken away the power that he once had. But until that day, we await the coming of Christ with joy and patience. We look forward to that marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, and we receive a foretaste of that feast here. He's promised us rich food and aged wine well refined. I think he's talking about Manischewitz. <laughs> we get a foretaste, a little bit, of what is yet to come in this supper. But that's all it is, is a foretaste. It's a promise of the marriage feast that will come one day, perhaps today. And on that day, the feast, it never ends. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding be your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.